it's Alabama Annie here with another episode of Stories and Songs for You. You know, back when I first began this podcast, I did one story entitled The Clown. But today, you're going to hear the original clown, which goes well with the Halloween season. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) The Clown. Recently on the news, I heard a story about a small town in England where the residents have been disturbed and traumatized by the unexpected appearance of a creature so horrifying and frightening as to cause them to lock their doors and windows and draw the shades. According to an account by a local resident, the clown first appeared one evening about dusk on the corner of the town's busiest intersection standing stark still beside a street lamp in a very authentic one-piece clown suit, red, green, and gold in color, wearing full white face with a gaping smile of a mouth, red menacing eyes, and bright yellow hair that stuck out in all directions about his round, bald head. The horrible thing was staring at passers-by as they drove through the intersection, causing two accidents and sending more than a handful of pedestrians running away in fright. We just can't catch the perpetrator. He seems to be able to vanish into thin air and, according to witnesses, can run away at the drop of a hat, said Thomas Lynn, town constable. The clown not only has been seen at the intersection, but on three occasions caught peering into the windows of nearby homes, Lynn told the Daily News, and a local businessman added the following. There's just something menacing about the way that clown stares at folk. He's driving away business, and he well could be dangerous. Constable Lynn urges anyone with any information about the clown to contact the authorities immediately. To some, the sight of a clown in the proper setting, such as a circus or as entertainment at a birthday party, can be fun and exciting. But an unexpected clown run amok is no picnic, and like the one in Stephen King's It, can become a nasty thing which frightens most and causes nightmare and terror in others. To my surprise, after some research, I discovered there have been more than a handful of incidents involving the impromptu appearance of clowns dating back to the Renaissance, when a frightening tale was penned about a clown roaming the streets of Paris, slashing unsuspecting pedestrians with a knife, or the brief account of one reported on the streets of London around 1901 passing out poisoned candy to children. Closer to home, I discovered a series of articles which appeared in the newspaper of a small town just this side of the Mississippi line on U.S. 11. The first article appeared in the fall of 1912. The Red Top Circus, featuring the most amazing entertainment in the world, performed three shows recently in Birmingham, Alabama, delighting thousands under the big top, and is headed to our town. The circus will arrive on Thursday by train at the depot with a parade led by Carlos the Amazing Circus Master. The parade will proceed down Main Street to the fairgrounds at the south end of town. The first of three shows will commence at 7 p.m. on Friday evening under the Big Red Top and a matinee will be presented on Saturday at 2 p.m. followed by the final show on Saturday at 7 
The circus will feature wild Indian elephants, dancing Arabian stallions, Brownie the boxing bear, Amelia the aerial ballerina, the Royal London jugglers, Chinese tightrope walkers, and a trainload of assorted clowns and mimes from around the world. The next article appeared in the Saturday edition of the paper. Big Red Top Circus Parade and Matinee Delights Town. With the article expounding on the parade, describing how the Arabian stallions danced along the street led by the sultan dressed in satin leggings and shirt with a turban on his head, and went on to tell about the boxing bear walking on two legs like a man beside its trainer. It said the bear wore a red bandana and boxing gloves. It told about Amelia the aerial ballerina and her balancing act atop the back of one of the wild Indian elephants as they went along, and continued on to say that the Royal London jugglers had tossed candies and fruits into the crowd while one of them juggled six oranges and a watermelon at one time. It went on to tell how the Chinese tightrope walkers moved along the street balanced on eight-foot stilts, barely clearing the telephone lines. The last paragraph went on to say that the troop of 12 clowns brought up the rear of the parade, dancing and flipping, rushing about, making funny gestures, giving out cotton candy and several free passes to the matinee. In the Sunday Times, a brief article appeared describing the two amazing shows on Saturday and noted that the circus would next appear in Louisiana. On Sunday, there was no sign of the circus left on the fairgrounds save the trampled ground and a few candy wrappers blowing in the breeze. The circus had left town in the wee hours of the morning heading south by train. But not ten miles out of town, while rounding a sharp curve in the tracks, the train derailed. The crash and explosion could be heard for miles around. Upon derailing, the engine had overturned and the boiler exploded, sending ashes and shards of metal and steam into the air like shrapnel. Back in the circus cars, it was total bedlam. The first car, transporting the crew in costumes, rolled down an embankment and overturned into the swampy water of the creek, and the livestock car hauling the elephants, horses, and bear was flung off the tracks onto its side. One of the elephants escaped through a gaping hole in the side of the boxcar and ambled off into the swamp, and soon the other two followed, splashing along in the murky water. The clown car was tossed off the tracks into an embankment, flinging the clowns and mimes around inside like rag dolls, leaving the survivors injured, bruised, and dazed. Soon, the brakeman and the other able-bodied survivors of the crash, along with three clowns, the circus master, and the surviving rigging crew began to survey the damage and rescue the injured, retrieving the dead as well, bringing them to the side of the tracks. Meanwhile, men from the surrounding countryside arrived with rescue wagons, a doctor, a nurse, and blankets. In the final count, 12 people lay dead, including the juggler troop, the engineer, the boiler crew of the train, and one clown. Amelia the aerial ballerina and Brownie the boxing bear, along with his trainer, had also been killed. Among the injured 
were 15 workmen from the circus crew, the tightrope walkers, the elephant trainer, the sultan as well, and seven clowns and mimes. Three of the beautiful Arabian stallions had to be put down, but two survived, shaken but unharmed. The two were soon taken to a nearby farm to recover. The surviving elephant trainer and a few volunteers set off after the elephants, moving through the swamp, wading hip-deep in the murky water, with a dark gun, a rifle, and a length of sturdy rope. After a while, one of the injured clowns noticed that one of his own was missing. He had not been among the dead, nor was he included in the injured. Men began searching amid the rubble of the wreckage and beyond into the woods and field, calling out for Jeffy. But by the time darkness fell, the wounded were carried off by wagon to a hospital and the dead to the morgue in a nearby town. Still, the missing clown had not been found. A crew was digging graves for the three horses and Brownie the Bear by lantern light in a field beside the tracks, and a long night's work had begun for the railroad workers who had arrived north and south of the wreck by train to clear the tracks. The trains must be able to move, and the wreckage had to be cleared, and all the while they were still searching for Jeffy the Clown. By morning, he was still unaccounted for. The next evening by dark, the wreckage was cleared from the tracks of the Great Southern Railroad and the train from Birmingham rolled south toward the coast. One of the elephants returned muddy but no worse for wear after a day and night in the swamps, while the other two had not. The trainer led the elephant along the tracks into the nearby field where the horses and the bear had been buried and staked him out to graze beneath the moon. On Monday, the headline read, Twelve dead, one missing, many injured in train derailment, and gave an account of the circus appearance, its departure for Louisiana, and details of the derailment, explosion, the volunteers, the dead, the injured, the missing elephants, the burial of the stallions, and boxing bear, and the missing clown. Jeffy, it said, had trained professionally at the International Institute for Clown Studies in the Ukraine, and it was presumed that he might have suffered a head injury and possibly had wandered away from the wreck. It went on to say that Jeffy did not speak much English and gave a request for the local constable to be contacted if Jeffy was sighted. He still had not been found by Tuesday. The dead from the wreck were buried in a local cemetery in a plot donated by the city, and on Wednesday, the two missing elephants were discovered by a fisherman in the swamps who was astounded to see the two roaming about eating vines and other vegetation. He was able to lure them back to the creek beside the tracks with a boatload of watermelon. He sent word through some boys who were swimming in the creek for the trainer to come. The trainer was overjoyed at the sight of his two large charges. Next day, the injured, able to travel, and the remaining circus animals were loaded on a northbound train for home. The show in Louisiana would have to wait, but Jeffy was not among them, and now he was presumed to be dead, somewhere near the tracks in the swamp. The headline on Friday read it as follows. Circus clowns still missing, elephants found, and gave a description of the fishermen finding the elephants in the swamp 
and featured a photo of him sitting atop one of them in the field beside its trainer. The article went on to say that Jeffy, the missing clown, still had not been found and could by now be deceased, but gave a description of him once more if he were to be seen. And seen he was. On Saturday, a farmer had gone out to his barn early in the morning to milk his cows and was startled by the sight of a clown rising up out of the hay bin, leaping to his feet and racing out of the door across the field into the woods like a madman. Then that evening, Jeffy stumbled into a small farm at the edge of town and ate some raw eggs from a chicken coop. Then he spied a woman sitting in her parlor reading beside the fire through a window. The woman looked up from her reading to see the filthy, dirty, painted face of a clown staring in at her. Terrified, she screamed bloody murder and ran out of the room, hiding in a closet the rest of the night, too frightened to come out. On Sunday morning, the woman and the farmer reported the clown sighting to the constable. Then, on Sunday afternoon, Jeffy was drawn by the sight of a big top tent sitting in an open field with a long table of delicious food nearby. Jeffy ate his fill of the food and then made a surprise appearance under the big top during a tent revival while the preacher was healing the sick and casting out evil spirits from the sinners in the crowd. Jeffy raced in through the side door, posing in a classic clown stance. He reached up and grabbed a rope hanging from the leads and swung from side to side. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo-hoo! And panic ensued. He then leapt over the crowd, seated in the row of chairs, and through the back door of the tent into the woods again. Five people, including the preacher, were injured in the stampede that followed as the congregation fled in terror. After leaving there, Jeffy stumbled into a hobo camp by the side of the tracks, lured by the aroma of hot coffee, causing two drunken hobos to run off screaming from their camp and a third to attack the clown with a flaming stick from the fire. The flames singed Jeffy's clown hair. He rolled in the train yard dirt and ran off into the dark, laughing hysterically. After the first two reports, and the two new ones from the Revival Preacher and the Hobos, Jeffy was a wanted man. Posters had been made and hung on telephone poles and in the post office describing the clown as a menace and a nuisance to law-abiding citizens. A lynching was discussed, but calmer heads prevailed. After all, the constable reminded them Jeffy the clown was injured and lost. When the train derailed, Jeffy had suffered a severe lick to his head. He had stumbled away from the wreckage into the dense woods, coming to the next morning in a field with some cows standing over him. He had stumbled out of the field into the yard of a farm where a summer garden grew and gorged himself on tomatoes and squash, taking some along with him as he wandered. He arrived next at an old abandoned barn where he ate some more of the vegetables and fell asleep in the loft. He found a pool of water by moonlight in the creek with fishes trapped in it and ate several of them raw, scales and all. He moved on to the dairy farm before dawn, milking a cow and drinking the warm milk straight from the bucket. He'd fallen asleep in the hay bin. But at dawn, the farmer had discovered him in his barn, terrified by the sight of the filthy clown. Jeffy had run away again, leaping and skipping across the field into the trees. 
Later that day, he had eaten raw eggs from a chicken house and watched a woman through a parlor window. He thought she was pretty, but she'd screamed and run out of the room, and Jeppy had run away too, climbing a tree that night. The next evening, he'd stumbled upon the table of food in the big tent in the field. He ate fried chicken, ham, deviled eggs, cake, and pie. And then Jeffy had performed for the people under the big top before racing off again. And finally, he had seen the fire in the hobo camp where his hair had been singed. Now Jeffy had found an abandoned warehouse beside the tracks at the edge of town. Inside were buckets of whitewash, tar, and red paint for barns. He could see he was looking as bad as he possibly could when he saw his reflection in a shiny piece of metal propped against the wall of the warehouse. Jeffy removed his clothes and bathed in the creek. He washed his clown suit and his clown shoes, scrubbing the soot and dirt away. He painted on a new white face with the whitewash and tar and barn paint. He put on his clean clothes and clown shoes again and even made his hair look more presentable. Jeffy was going to town. The school day was just beginning on that Monday morning and the elementary students waited for the crossing guard to help them across the street. Old Miss Chestnut walked out into the intersection and the two cars waiting to pass came to a halt when she held up her stop sign. She turned and began leading the children across the street when screams erupted from behind her and she turned, staring into the freshly painted face of Jeffy the Clown, moving along with the children, skipping and hopping in his clown shoes, holding little Mary Baker's hand. A scream escaped Miss Chestnut's lips as the clown moved toward her. Miss Chestnut struck out at Jeffy with her stop sign and he let go of Mary's hand. The children ran screaming in all directions along the street as a man jumped out of one of the cars at the intersection and ran, tackling Jeffy the Clown, knocking him to the pavement while Miss Chestnut continued to scream and hit the clown with the sign. Soon the constable came. He and the man who tackled Jeffy led the clown away to the jail and locked him in a cell. Soon the doctor came to examine Jeffy. He bathed off the clown makeup and removed the clown suit and the shoes to reveal a small, balding man of perhaps 40. Jeffy had a bruised face, black eyes, and a knot on his head the size of a baseball. The doctor placed Jeffy in the hospital. Exhausted, Jeffy the clown slept for two days. The constable contacted the circus master, who returned from New York by train, delighted that Jeffy had been found. After the clown was released from the hospital, they returned home, and Jeffy was soon performing under the big top again. Not long after, the town passed an ordinance denying permits into the unforeseeable future to any circus or fair, especially any with clowns. In fact, another ordinance prohibited clowns within the city limits. The sign on each end of town read, Welcome to our town. No Clowns allowed. You know, this story reminds me about one Christmas here at the old home place when I received a very frightening doll. It was a clown. She was the ugliest thing I have ever seen, and she terrified me from the minute I unwrapped her. Creep doll, as I called her, lived out her life in my mother's closet because I didn't even want her in my room. And later, 
after my mother passed away, the creep doll expired on a bonfire in the backyard, as well she should have. And here's a song to take us out.